Well, today, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 11 and verse 17. As we go into this portion of Scripture today, I'm excited for today as our last installment of our series on Jesus is. John chapter 11, verse 17, it says, On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. How many days? Four. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask, Jesus said to her. Your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. And Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and life. The one who believes in me will live. By believing in me, they will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Now, those are powerful words because you have to understand to this day that less than 1% of those in Israel know Jesus as the true Messiah. Isn't that amazing? But she believed. The Messiah, yes, you are. I believe you are the Messiah. I believe that you are the Son of God who is to come into the world. This is Palm Sunday as we are reminded Jesus coming into Jerusalem. And today I want to conclude our journey on Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Amen? You know, I grew up not only around church, but I grew up in church, maybe like many of you. Some of you, maybe you didn't, and that's fine. We're just glad you're here. But you know, I, I grew up in church so much so that I saw how much gum had been put underneath the pews and uh, how many times uh, that was me that put the gum there. But uh, <clears throat> it's amazing. How many of you ever sat on pews growing up? You know what I'm talking about? A few of you? Yeah. And um, so I grew up not only around church, but I grew up in church, my mom and dad being pastors. And uh, you, you and I have heard some of the cliches that church people use many times, don't you? Like we hear the cliche, let go and let God, and I've always wondered, well, what am I to let go of? You know, I'm not really sure what that really means, let go of what, right? So God is good, he's good all the time, or this one, God is never late, he's always on time, and, but you know, sometimes he does feel really late, doesn't he? I mean, he really does, he feels late in, in my economy, in my time frame, and well, maybe he's never late, but he's never early. I don't even know what I'm talking about. That's so true. And if you follow Jesus, I believe that he operates on a different time schedule than we do as humans. I mean, look at our world. I mean, how many of you husbands and wives operate on a different timetable? I mean, really, if you look at which ones of you that are here are always early to something? Can I see your hands? You're always early. Yeah, now which ones of you are always late, right? Right, so, so we have that. And when a woman says, give me five, to a man, that means five minutes, right? Am I right, men? Yeah, give me five minutes. To a woman, that could mean all sorts of things. That does not mean five minutes. That could mean five hours, five more days, 
or, you know, could you just give me five more chances on my hair and my makeup? Isn't that true? Right? That's, that's different. That's different, you know. Each of us look at that differently. You know, when our team was in Africa a few years ago on a missions trip, we were told the service might start at on time, whatever that time was, and that we don't know when, when really it will start or when it will really get over. There, in that moment, is where I learned the term ish. How many of you are with me? You learned the term. Have you ever, you ever been to an island, you know, been on vacation? You know, it's ish. It's ish time, right, in their economy. It's like, you know what, like 11-ish or, or like maybe 4-ish, maybe. I don't know. Who knows if you're going to get started? Some of you run your world like that. Following Jesus is a lot like that. It really is. Uh, you know, I'm not sure when he's going to show up. I can't exactly tell you how he's going to show up. But when he shows up, watch out. Amen? So on the journey of faith, I think that there are people who are here today who you are in a season right now, whether you believe in God or not, you're wanting and you're waiting on God to move and you feel like God is late today. You feel like he is late. And I want to encourage you a little from this text. And I believe there's some truth in what God wants to speak to all of us today in this portion of scripture on Mary, Martha, Lazarus and Jesus. In John 11, we just read about Lazarus. Now, Lazarus was one of Jesus' dearest friends. We see that in the passage. He's the brother of Mary and Martha. Mary is the one who anointed Jesus' feet with oil. You remember that story, right, in in the New Testament. And then you see that um, Martha was the one, you see, she was the one that stayed uh, there, and she was working in the kitchen, Right? She kept working, working even while Jesus is present. Then we see Jesus is getting in kind of the middle of them and saying, hey, you two settle down. One of you feels like you should be at Jesus' feet. One of you feels like you should be serving. These are some of his dearest friends. He, he, he did love them so much. And what we find out in John chapter 11 is Lazarus has gotten very sick. He's very sick at this moment. Sick to the point that he is about to die. And Mary, Martha, and Lazarus are waiting for him to get healed. But what I want you to know today in the season that you are in, which is very important, a waiting season doesn't mean a wasted season. A waiting season in your life today is not a wasted season, though you feel like you're on a treadmill and you are going nowhere, but in your waiting, it is not wasted. And I love Mary and Martha because they don't waste a moment. Really, you look at this. Instead, they write a letter to Jesus and worry, you got to understand this, in our own lives today. There are some of you in this room that you worried so much today, you didn't even praise the Lord. There's some of you today that got so caught up in the emotion of what's going on. I'm not disqualifying what you're going through is not difficult or there's some crazy stuff going on. Or maybe there's a friend or a relative that's going through a very difficult hour, moment, or a terminal illness, and maybe it's their last few moments, but sometimes we get so wrapped up in our worry that we forget to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, but I want to let you know that worry creates distance in our relationship with God. But when you worship the Lord, it brings you closer to God. And see, sometimes that's the thing. We believe the lie of the enemy. We come in here, our mind is so consumed. Or, you know, during the week, our minds are so consumed with what is going on. And and we forget to worship the Lord. And drawing closer to him is really what you need at that moment, in that hour. Because the Bible reminds us, draw close to God and he will draw close to you. 
When you feel like you're waiting on God, don't worry. Instead, worship the Lord. The challenge that many of us have is when we start waiting on something, we start to worry, myself included. We, we suffer from a thing called short-termism, if you will. Short-termism, that we want everything right now, immediately. And we're being trained in this, in our world, every single day. You know, that short-termism, I think we get into a season where we are waiting for God to do something, and we just count down the days until God shows up. But God is saying, no, 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 no. I want you to learn something in this season right now, waiting so I can do something not only through you, but I want to do something in you, actually something inside of you in this moment, in this hour, no matter what you're going through. He actually wants to shape us, and while I'm waiting, I don't have to waste my season. While you're waiting today, you don't have to waste the season and just worry. What's amazing is we are so different from God, aren't we? God says this. He says this about himself. He is slow to anger. Wow. He is slow to anger. He is rich in mercy. And I want to let you know something today that God doesn't mind waiting. You know, when I get into my car like you and I start it up and I don't put my seatbelt on, there's this thing that goes off on the dashboard and there is a signal that beeps at me, right? We know that we should put on our seatbelt. And sometimes our cars care more about us than we do, don't we? Right? Right? My car, your car is programmed and hardwired and beeps until I obey. Some of you understand this right now. Some of you are drifting from God. You're worrying. You're anxious. And God says, just keep his mercy and his love at the forefront of your mind because he will keep consistent in those areas in your heart and your life. He is hardwired to love you and to never deny you. Never. That God says, I'm going to keep chasing you and I will protect you and I'm slow to anger in your life and I'm rich in mercy in your life. And listen, God will wait on you until he gets ready to grant you and give you the miracle that you absolutely need. Why? Because God doesn't waste miracles in our life. He doesn't waste them. Meaning, what if your miracle is not for your immediate gratification? What if the thing you're praying for right now, right now, God wants to get glory through your miracle today? Amen? What if God is preparing you and developing you and, and staying and saying this, stay patient, stay patient. Don't waste the season you're in. Keep waiting on me because I am going to show up in the process. And during this time, why don't you become more like me? So, woman of God, your life did and does not begin when you get married. It already started. Right? Men, is the same way. Dude, enjoy it because, listen, guys, listen, you know, after marriage, it's a different story. You no longer will have absolute control of the remote control to the TV. It will be pride out of your little hands, right? You will find out, I don't have the dream job yet. You, you've got more time to be like Jesus. You've got more time. That we are to discover in the time and the season of waiting what you can become. Who are we becoming in the season of our waiting 
So every miracle has a place and a plan that's bigger than you and me. So if you believe it and you believe that God has a plan for you and you're waiting, could you just give the Lord a hand clap of praise out of just thanks, Lord, that you've got this covered. And God, you're going to take care of us and it's going to be okay. Amen? Because every miracle has a place and a plan that's bigger than you and me. Amen. The Bible says Mary and Martha don't waste the moment. They don't waste the moment. They're waiting. Let's reach out to Jesus in this season right now. The Bible says that they sent word to Jesus. Now, if you're going to send word to Jesus, what would you say in order to get his attention? What would you say today in your season of waiting what have you said before in your season of waiting, whatever you're going through, what would you say to get Jesus' attention? And we see this is what Mary and Martha sent to Jesus. Jesus, the one you love, is sick. I've always found that fascinating, haven't you? Jesus, the one you love, is sick. They appeal to Jesus not on Lazarus's merit rather than Jesus' love for Lazarus. They didn't rest on wow. Man, you know, I've done all this. I've done these amazing deeds. I follow you. I poured oil on your feet, Jesus. I mean, look at me. Do, do you appeal to God based on your level of maturity? Or maybe write a letter to God in King James Version. These, thou's, all of those crazy things, you know. Maybe church for you is a place where you go and play church. But in reality, church is a thing that we are. Can I hear an amen? Church is a thing we are. We embody it because we're the church. Jesus said that. This was her proclamation. Jesus, the one you love, is sick. God's love for you is enough to capture his attention. Your faith, your merit, your good deeds, none of that stuff impresses him. But when we say, Lord, I'm in need and you love me and I need your help, that captures Jesus' attention every single time. You know, I want abundant life. I want us to understand that his love is what draws us close to him and him to us. The Bible says it's by grace through faith. What's amazing about that portion of scripture, it means faith is a byproduct of grace. Meaning you couldn't have faith in God if he didn't allow you to. Woo! You couldn't even have faith in him if he didn't allow you to get a glimpse of who he is today. How dare we think that we could impress Jesus? How dare we even think that we could do something, that he would even come our way? It's simply the fact that he loves us. And listen, next weekend, that's what it's about. That's what it's about every day, but next weekend as we, we, we celebrate we celebrate Easter and coming together. That's what this is about. That how dare we try to impress God to think that we've done enough to earn, earn his love and earn his mercy and earn his grace and favor. It's simply the fact that he loves us so very much and we forget that. Jesus, the one you love, is sick. Jesus receives this and he says uh, to those there, this sickness will not end in death, but rather God will get the glory through this as the Son of God will get glorified. Then the Bible says he decided to wait two more days. What? He's only two miles away. Two miles, but I'm going to wait. 
And the Bible says it's not going to end in death. He says this, I I love you back, but you are going to wait two more days, Jesus. Could you imagine? You're going to wait two more. You're going to wait two more days. He's sick. God, I need a miracle. It's coming in two more days. Just because there are delays in our life doesn't mean God has denied us. Understand that there's always something bigger in the miracles of your life that are yet to happen. It's not just for you. It's for him first, that he would receive all the glory, and it's for others that are around us as well. Amen? This sickness will not end in death, but God will get the glory through this. I'm going to wait two more days. He said, I'm going to wait two more days. There, there are some of you, you know how to pray, God does love you, but you're delayed in getting the miracle that you need today. And Martha said this, I know that he will rise again at the resurrection. Wow, this is amazing. I know, yeah, he's, he's going he's to be fine at the resurrection. In John eleven twenty five, this one line, I am the resurrection and the life. And that's just amazing. The Message Bible, I love how it says that. I am right now resurrection in life. I am. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know who you are, maybe what you've experienced in your life, but I think it's safe to say at one time or another that we have been disappointed in what God didn't do and the prayer that wasn't answered and the thing that we hoped for in our life, right? So we can relate to how they felt. But it hasn't come or hasn't come yet. And that so many people, what we do is we, we put a period where God has put a comma and says, listen, I have more to do here. And many times in our own minds, we've just settled in our mind. God's done with this situation, so I put a period there. When God says, no, I, I've got something else. I've got another punctuation. I've got a comma because the story is yet to be written. And the story is yet to be fulfilled, and he wants us to keep going. Jesus always involves us in the process of the miracle, doesn't he? He always does. Does he need to? No. But he always involves humanity in the process of what he wants to do on the earth. And that's amazing because you and I have a part to play, right? And I spent a lot of time helping my dad out in the garage fix cars growing up. And he showed me how to jack up a car and put blocks underneath of it for safety, change the oil, check the fluids, and I mean, my dad could have done that work by himself, couldn't he? Oh, absolutely. He could have. But what he wanted to do was show me by spending time with him and the understanding of the process that someday, as I mature, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to have to learn to do this thing on my own and I'm going to have to teach my kids and I'm going to have to go through and learn this. Yeah, he could have, he could have done it, but it was through his knowledge his knowledge became my knowledge. Now, I, never, I don't have the full knowledge of my dad has and what he has in cars and his understanding, but his understanding became my understanding, uh, never fully because he's got all those years of experience. He took me along on the journey that we have to understand we are participants in the miracles of Jesus if we will allow ourselves to do it. So many times we talk about what could have happened if Jesus would have showed up on time, right? How many of us have said that? Jesus, if you would have showed up here, now, at this time, that would have been a wonderful time. You want a miracle of your lost loved one coming to Christ, and you and I are participants in that. That, yes, we are participants. How? Well, we believe salvation is a miracle because that's God's portion. 
But our portion is we're called to invite others. Remember, we've talked about this before. You and I are called to invite others and to talk about pe- uh, others uh, about Jesus Christ, right? We're participants in it, right? God is the only one that can change the heart of men and women. But you and I are participants by inviting others to a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what happened that day in Bethany. The family of Lazarus was talking about what could have happened, what should have happened, what ought to have happened. He's like, listen, you guys, Jesus, you got to understand this is mine. He's probably going, oh, man, you guys got to understand this. Because, listen, if you will just work with me, this chapter in your life is getting ready to be a really good Bible story. Think how many times Jesus said that. If you just work with me, this is going to be a really great Bible story. But how many of you know sometimes the hardest thing to do is take the next step? The next step of, excuse me, moving your life forward. You realize that God is up to something. And how many of you know, you know, in the end, it's going to be okay? And somebody may be here today, well, it's not okay. It's not okay. And I understand that. Well, then it's not the end. What am I saying? So many times we avoid the portions of our story and areas that need miracles to take place. And I want you to think about the area that you need a miracle today. I don't want want you just to listen to another message today because this moment is about transformation. Because if we're not changed here, then all we did was just another religious exercise. You think about this area where we need a miracle to take place in. And thinking... Many times in that area, if I avoid it, it will just go away, right? I'm just going to avoid it. But what I found out is what we avoid, the enemy will invade. Are you with me? So the things you're trying to avoid today, the enemy is invading because you're not going to take in the territory, right? That happens so many times in our life. Well, I'm going to avoid it. I know I need a miracle here, but I'm going to avoid it. I'm going to leave it alone. I'm going to hope that thing just kind of works out by itself. But no, we are participants in the miracles that God wants to do in our lives and in our heart. So what we are avoiding today, the enemy is for surely invading. It takes a different type of believer to light a candle in the darkness. Can I hear an amen? It sure does in these days. It's easier to walk away and say, well, let the darkness take care of itself. But it's really hard to light a candle in the day and age we live. We're afraid to blow back what people are going to say, what people are going to write about us, what people are going to think about us, and all those things that we get in there that keeps us, and we avoid getting in and letting God do the miracle in our life. Rather than curse a relationship, why don't you proclaim reconciliation over it and work on it? Don't curse your marriage. Be a light in your marriage. Amen? Am I I talking to people that are here? Are you with me today, church? Okay. You need to keep declaring the word of the Lord over the things that you see or seem to be dead. Put Put the word of the Lord. Quit declaring your disappointment and say, you know what? I am thankful, God, of what you have given to me. Quit being discouraged and say, God, I am encouraging myself in you and in the word of the Lord today. So true. In the text, you realize Jesus is not introducing himself when he arrives in Bethany. He doesn't say, I am Jesus of Nazareth, does he? No, they already knew about him. What he did say was, I am the resurrection and the life, which is something they didn't know about him. 
You need to know that in a waiting season, that it is not a wasted season today. You don't have to live and worry or, or maybe trying to find a way out of it. Stay the course and watch the miracle unfold before your eyes. But you and I just need to stay participants in the miracle that God has for you. The Bible says Jesus waits two more days and finally leaves, and he starts to make his way back to Bethany. Lazarus has already died. He's been dead four days. Jesus, you're late. And a matter of fact, you're too late. What I found out is this, and you probably found out as well, if he always meets your expectation, you give him no room to exceed your expectation. If all you're expecting God today is meet you at your level of expectation and you were just there and that's the where it's always been, you will never see him exceed the expectation that you have in him. I'm just talking faith today. Are you with me? I'm talking about people coming and being changed by the power of God's word. Amen? So many times, oh God, I think you'll do this and that's fine and we leave it there and we avoid it whatever. But he wants to exceed your expectation today this sickness will not end in death. No, he already died. He's in the tomb, and she walks Jesus to the tomb, and he says, roll the stone away. And she's like, no, he's been dead for four days, and the stench and the smell and the body has begun to decay. It's really bad in there. There are not degrees of dead, but there are degree, degrees of decay. Jesus says, roll the stone away. And I love this picture because this is what Jesus does in our lives all the time. And I love verse 40. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see, you will see, you will what? See the glory of God. We sang about the glory of God. How many of you want to see the glory of God? I don't even know what fully that looks like, so I'm raising my hand by faith. Right? But I know his glory has to do with goodness because he says that to Moses. Let your glory pass before us, your goodness right before our eyes. Amen? So we, we, we need to see the glory of God because he says you can. Because why? Because I take God at his word because he's good for his word. We have expectations according to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. And those of you that were here at the beginning part of the year, this is our theme verse that we serve a God who exceeds who does immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. That's our theme verse for 2019. What if I told you right now that God is bigger than your imagination and he exceeds it? He does far more greater than you could ever think or imagine today. Amen? Wow, because he can live up to that. He can live up way beyond that. So what's interesting in this time period, if you study this, the Jews, this is who they were, they believed that the body was dead, but they had another custom. And the teaching was that at four days, according to the Jews, that's according to the Jews, that your soul left your body after four days. That was their understanding, which that's not true. We don't believe that. So we talked about it last week. The moment you die, your soul goes on to be with the Lord. Right, But in Jewish custom, after four days, the soul left the body. So at the four-day mark, they would say the body is truly dead and gone now. But what I love about Jesus is he exceeds. He exceeds their expectation. He exceeds it. Mary and Martha, they wanted, they, they wanted a healing, you know, but Jesus wanted a resurrection. Amen. 
Mary and Martha, they just wanted a resuscitation. And, and right now, immediate gratification, do what we ask, what we want to right now. It's immediate. We want this to happen. Jesus said, no, 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 no. You got to understand, this is a miracle, and I am not going to waste this miracle. I will not waste this miracle on immediate gratification because I've come to do something far greater than what you could ever think or what you could ever imagine or just your expectation level that I'm going to far exceed that. I'm not going to waste this miracle. I'm about ready to teach everybody who I am at this moment. Woo. Hallelujah. Here's the thought and the question for you, you today, because this is real life. What do you do when your situation doesn't line up with your expectation? You ever been there? I was expecting this, but this took place. We said, till death do us part, and then he, he left me. We're about ready to get a revelation. I'm going to show you who I am. Jesus is all about showing us who he is. He is not a God that hides. He reveals himself. Those of you that have come today, if, if you will capture who he is, it will change who you are. He looks at Mary and Martha, and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. I don't do resurrection. I am the resurrection. I don't do that. I, I am it. I embody it. Jesus is like, you get around me and dead stuff starts waking up. Oh, my God, if you could just capture this right now. I feel God speaking right now into this room. God is calling you to draw closer to him. Some of you guys in this room, you have dead things in your life. God, there's some dead things in our life that need to die. I get it. There's some dead things in people's lives, and this morning, this morning, right here, right now, God's, Jesus is saying, if you just get closer to me, I can wake it up. Quit trying to avoid me. Quit staying away from me. I love you. See, it's in that moment that dead dreams come to life. Roll a stone away. I don't care what it smells like. Things that we've been trying to hide. Roll the stone away. They rolled the stone away, and I think Jesus waited four days on purpose, really, right? Jesus got there four days late. Four days late. He wanted to break the customs. He wanted to break the traditions to show them that he is the Messiah, even though they didn't think he would come this way. You have in all of this, you have Jesus Sharing with us his emotion, shortest verse, Bible verse in the Bible, verse 35. What is it? Jesus wept. I mean, listen, this is a great thing. Even if you don't know a lot of the Bible, hey, some of you, you know, hey, do you know any verses in the Bible? Yep, Jesus wept. Woo, you got it. You aced it right there, man. He was moved with compassion. Roll the stone away. Roll the stone away. Roll it. Lazarus, come forth. We said last week, remember, 
we talked about the last days that he had to say Lazarus' name or every dead person would have been waking up at that moment, right? That would have been, that would have been wild. But Lazarus come forth. Yeah, he loved him. Lazarus walks out. I am the resurrection and the life. Take the, the Bible says, take the grave clothes off and put the grace clothes on now. Come on, take the grave clothes off. Some of you in this room, you need to take the grave clothes off. You need to put the grace clothes on today in Jesus' name in your life. Amen. Take on the mind. What am I saying? The grace. Take on the mind of Christ. Take on the identity in Christ Jesus today. Take on his identity. Draw closer to him today. And he came out, and the Bible says that there are many that gave praise. There were some that went away that were very upset by this, and that's always the thing in a miracle. There'll be some that will praise God. There'll be others. They'll go away, and they're the religious folk, and they're not happy about that, but that's okay because it provokes them, and God's still doing a work in them. The miracle was not just for Lazarus, but for everyone else around him so that Jesus would get the glory, right? Don't Waste your season of waiting. Don't waste it right now. Lazarus is a, is a picture of salvation. It's what as we come through, is this, this holy week, as, as we enter into, I want you to be reminded of this. This is holy week as we come as believers. This is holy week. If you're a Christian, you, you should come with deep respect this week. Deep respect and sacredness for what this week represents to you and to me. It's just not three days that, wow, and then it's over, and wee and Easter eggs, and all of those things. But it is the representation of Jesus dying for us on Friday, Saturday, and the earth was silent, waiting. And on Sunday, Jesus rose from the grave. Don't waste your season of waiting it's the picture of redemption to us. Resurrection is another word for salvation. Some of us in this room, we need a resurrection. And we need God to show up in our circumstance. What is it that God wants to come alive in you? What is it that God wants to come alive in you? Come on, quit giving excuses, quit hiding, quit ducking, quit avoiding it. Get in there and let God perform the miraculous. Amen.